0: This is Germ
1: Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. And for the fourth time, I am joined by Rainer filmich Thank you for joining me in the trenches, Rainer.
0: It's a pleasure, as always, Jeremy.
1: On a battleground, in a war, Rainer where are you positioned?
0: Um, I really don't know, but what I think I can do is I can connect people, I can get information and um, spread it far and wide among everyone. So I do think that what I really can do is I can make people see the whole picture so that they understand that we cannot trust our governments. We cannot trust because they're not our governments anymore. We cannot trust the mainstream media because they're both owned by the same criminals who are pulling their strings. And second, I think I, through seeing this, by seeing the whole picture, they will understand that they themselves are the sovereign because all of most of us have forgotten about that. Many of us think that uh, I, we're just, you know, um, Servants of those who are pretending to be our kings and emperors. No, it's us, the people. And once people under, uh, understand that, um, it'll be, it's going to be a lot easier to fight this battle, not just this battle, but to win this war. And we will win this war, definitely. More I think a lot of
1: it. a lot of people um, are very interested in what what you're doing and what you're saying. I mean, just just your conversations with me have been downloaded. Over half a million times, translated Ooh. into translated into multiple languages. I've seen uh, the Italian version. It's so funny hearing somebody dubbing over you and me in a different language. Um, clearly, clearly, what you're doing is resonating.
0: I'm uh, I'm really honored and flattered by that. It's but it's really not just myself. It's all of us. It's. And that's the big secret, which I think everybody should have known a long time ago, it wouldn't have come this uh, this far. Uh, if we're connected, all of us in the resistance, if we're connected, there's no one who can beat us. There's absolutely no one who can win this battle against us. I just very recently, I saw a video, uh, I think my friend Viviana, my friend and colleague who I uh, founded the uh, Corona Committee um, uh, with, she sent me a video I think it's seven or eight years old, by a, in which a professor, I think a professor of psychology is giving a lecture um, before a crowd of hundreds and hundreds of people in, in, in the town of Maastricht in Belgium. And he, I think the people who are watching him, the students, are people who want to be entrepreneurs, who, um, who want to uh, have startups and be successful. And what he says is, the, the, when, when you encounter a problem, 97% of the people who encounter this problem and who have come up with a way to overcome the problem, when they run into the problem, into the wall, they will decide if it doesn't work, if they run into the wall, they're going to decide we're going to have to do more of this or less of this only 3% of the people will come up with the idea, maybe we're gonna to have to try a different approach. Approach. That's what this is all about. Uh, that's really what this is all about. Um, it's us in the resistance who have everything we need to set up a new society, to set up a new system of, uh, of healthcare, of education, of uh, the, the judiciary, of course, and of um of economics. We have everything it takes. Uh, And I know it's taking place already in many parts of the world, um, including the judiciary in the United States. And some parts of the United States are already about to set up their own judicial system. It's happening on the continent of Africa in many parts. Um, So everything it takes, we have it. It's not the other, probably not 97%, maybe 30%, maybe 20%, we don't know. They pretend to be many more than they really are with the help of the mainstream media and their uh, psychological terrorism. But it's really us who are not those who are just following orders, but who are asking questions, who have the creativity, which they don't know even what it is, who have the creativity. Mm -hmm. It's us who will set up a new society. That's why I am absolutely certain they don't have a chance. At the beginning of all of this, which is in March of 2020, as far as I'm concerned, <clears throat> my wife and I were still living, staying at our ranch in Northern California. My wife, um, she wasn't so, she, she, she didn't really like it there anyway, because she said, ah, I'm missing European culture. I would really like to go out and have great dinners. Uh, if you do want to have a great dinner here, you have to go to one of the major cities and then you pay twice as much as you have to do in Germany. And so she wanted to go back anyway. I think she was in a way glad that all of a sudden we were getting all these phone calls from our friends and relatives about the lockdowns, et cetera. So she uh, took the occasion and said, Reiner, we have to go back. You know how to fight these uh, uh, global corporations. Uh, you, you're just gonna have to team up with someone, fight that thing from Europe. So we went back to Europe and um, I got in touch with my friend and colleague Viviana um, she's also a lawyer and we decided we would um, found this set up this Corona investigative committee in Berlin because we did not expect to get any answers to the questions that we had and that we thought everybody else also has either from our government or from the mainstream media. That's why uh, and I said we're going to do this we're going to have a conference maybe a couple of weekends a week, weekends or so and then our then our politicians will understand that they made a huge mistake. They'll apologize, and we'll be back to normal. She said, "Nah, I don't think so. I think this is much bigger. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to do it. We have, we're gonna have to use a different approach. Approach, and that's why she decided, and I went along because I agreed with her uh, to have a Corona investigative committee. Again, we thought this will take maybe five or six weeks, but no, that's not what happened. So the major the three major questions we wanted answers to is one, how dangerous is the virus really? Because we did have our doubts. Everything looked like a replay of the swine flu. Um, how um, reliable is the Dresden PCR test? And how much damage do the anti-corona measures do? <clears throat> so we started doing this on July 10th of 2020. We spoke with, in the meantime, over 150 experts from all over the world, including Dr. Mike Yeadon, Good friend now, great man, just a nice person, formerly of Pfizer. He was a vice president of Pfizer. And I think for 16 years, he was their uh, chief science officer. Spoke with Professor Luc Montagnier. He's a Nobel prize winner from France. Spoke with Catherine Austin-Fitz, who is a a former assistant uh, secretary of housing and urban development in the United States. State spoke with uh, Dr. Uh, Robert Malone, who uh, happened to have invented the MRNA technique. Many, many, many others, including now politicians, members of the European Parliament, um, etc., etc. So we did see from each session to the next, and it's been 89 consecutive sessions since uh, July 10th, always on Friday, uh, we did see. One picture, one piece of the puzzle after another, we looked into the backdrop of this, the geopolitical backdrop, the historical backdrop, we looked into what can a PCR test do, Uh, we looked into what do vaccines do normally, are these new drugs, are they really vaccines, we looked into every little detail, and then we got all these calls from uh, uh, from pretty much all over the world which was really surprising because we were thinking that we were only that our viewers are only in Germany or or uh in the uh German speaking parts of Europe but all of a sudden people from everywhere were watching us that was a south, the- south
1: africa <clears throat> south
0: africa yeah including south africa so we got in touch with some of the lawyers from these countries because they wanted to get to, they wanted to to be connected with Mm. some of the experts like Mike Eden or Professor Ulrike Kemmerer. They're the two most important experts on PCR tests. Um, And then they said, you're going to have to help us uh, file these complaints. And I said, we can't, we are overworked and overwhelmed. But uh, in some of these, um, in some of the major, I guess you could call them high profile cases, we're going to Of course, we're going to connect you with the experts. Uh, we're going to give you everything we have as far as information is concerned, and we'll try and do our best help with our lawyers as well. So for example, in the case of South Africa, our good friend, Dexter Reinefeldt, great guy, um, who has, um, filed a complaint with the constitutional court, the highest court in your country. Um, he, um. Uh, He and a couple of our experts got together um, and we, I think this was filed, I don't know, six or seven weeks ago or so, took a little longer than expected. And we have very high hopes that in South Africa and then on the entire African continent, people understand what's really going on and that people on on the African continent, starting in South Africa, have are closer in touch with reality than those in, in Northern Europe or in Europe in general. Uh, because you have learned the hard way that you cannot trust the WHO or Bill Gates as their major donor. You have learned the hard way, uh, way that, um, and the Indians as well. Uh, we have a great colleague uh, in India, Deepali Ojai is her name. They have learned the hard way. You cannot trust these institutions and this particular individual and many others as well. Why is that? Because they pretended to donate, donate what they called vaccinations. And then it turns out they weren't really vaccinations. They Mm -hmm. were designed to sterilize women. And in the meantime, I have come to the conclusion that uh, both the African continent and India, and also Some of the uh, Eastern European countries are far ahead of us in Western Germany or in Western Europe in particular, because uh, you're closer to reality, Uh, not just because you've learned the hard way that these people cannot be trusted. But with respect to the East European countries, what they told us is, you know why you don't catch on fast enough? Because we, as East, Eastern Europeans, as, um, as um, Romanians or uh, people from Slovenia and many of these countries, we're only one generation away from fascism, from totalitarian regimes. You're three generations away. You have forgotten. That's why you still trust your governments, and that's why you're still hoping that the cavalry will come and save you. The cavalry being the governments. Only we have to tell them what's really going on. No, no, it's not true. These are not our governments anymore. And we don't know that. Um, in those Eastern European countries, they still remember, because it's only 25 years ago, that they turned the tables. They, the people, did.
1: You also know what it's like working with, I mean, corrupt people. Uh, you, you're a lawyer. Uh, just quickly, for yeah. those who for have forgotten, what is... Um... What is what are some of your background?
0: Well, um I uh my firm, um we used to be 17 lawyers plus IT people, paralegals, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, uh 35 people altogether. And the only thing I've ever done ever since I was um, admitted to the bar in Germany and in California in nineteen ninety-three and nineteen ninety-four is I've represented consumers and small and medium-sized businesses against large corporations. In fact, I used to work for one of these large corporations. I used to work for Deutsche Bank. um, And I quit when I saw that this is one of the most corrupt and criminal organizations in the world. Um, So I know how they think. They're not all evil, but they're definitely corrupt at the very top. And um, so I know, and and, and then through the, uh, I think I've done this for 28 years now um, and we, understood, maybe 15 years ago, that the cards are stacked against us, at least here in Germany, in the German judiciary, um, because it turns out that, and now I understand, because this is, this, this is the result of maybe 30 years of infiltration, 30 years of the other side, or Mr. Global, as Catherine Austin Fitz calls them, other side um, breeding their own global leaders, The platform on which this is happening, probably most important platform is the World Economic Forum of, uh, what's his name? Klaus Schwab. Um, And their breeding ground is the uh, Global Young Leaders Program. Um, I was at first astonished to hear that in 1992, the first class graduated and included Angela Merkel and Mm. uh, Bill Gates. Yeah. I was astonished to hear that those who are now running some of the countries uh, of the globe, including um, Macron Just, in France. Yeah,
1: and Justin Trudeau also.
0: Justin Trudeau, who's now running away from the truckers. <laughs> um, that was ju- ju- so
1: cool. <laughs> Jacinda Arden, also, I believe.
0: Yes, yes. They're all in deep trouble right now. Um, and this is a really good sign because it shows that the power of the people is much more important than anything they do. Mm-hmm. However, we should not become complacent and believe that it's, it, now we can you know, sit at the sidelines and wait until things clear up. They have a plan B. Actually, this may be part of their plan B because I think they probably anticipated some pushback. Maybe not that much. I don't think mm-hmm. they anticipated the uh, Canadian truckers. Um, But their plan B is probably that they wanna install a world government, and the best way to do it is by creating as much chaos as possible, by having all these national governments implode so that people will, not us, but those Mm -hmm. people, will finally understand that their only solution uh, to this crisis, just as the vaccinations, the so-called vaccinations is the only solution to the um, uh, pandemic, the so-called pandemic, their only solution to this crisis of global, of, of, of national governments is a global, uh, a, a one-world um, or yeah one-world um, government, um, the UN, which, as far as I'm concerned, has been taken over by the World Economic Forum a couple of years ago. Um, I think their first attempt at this will be in Europe. They'll try to create a mini-world government by having all these individual national governments implode. Macron is uh, probably one step away from, uh, what's his name, Kurtz's fate, the guy who ran uh, Austria. They, they have a, what they call a three, uh, I'm sorry, a three chancellor year. They've had three chancellors in the meantime. Um, but the idea is to have a, um, a, a European government, which is run by the a European Commission whose head is a, a woman who failed at everything she's ever done. Uh, her name is Ursula von der Leyen. Um, I don't think they're going to get that far because uh, in, in Germany there is a saying, if you're caught once lying, they're not going to ever believe mm-hmm. you again. So if we manage to expose them now, and I think we are in a on a very good track of doing that, if we manage to expose them now, they're not ever going to get any credibility again.
1: So... In this puzzle that you're building, um, whereabouts are you and what do you hope to achieve? I think we've
0: come to a point, uh, we meaning the Corona Investigative Committee, it's not just Viviane and myself, it's also Dr. Wolfgang Wodak who exposed the uh, preceding pandemic, the swine flu, as a mild flu some 11 years ago and it's my friend and uh, law professor, uh, Martin Schwab, and many others behind the scenes. Corvin Rabenstein, you know him. Uh, he's, he's managing us, very smart man, philosopher. Um, I think we've, we've reached a point in time at which it is time to show the people the whole picture, not just these pieces of the puzzle, that we collected uh, in the course of our uh, work in the Corona on the Corona Committee, but rather the whole picture. Instead of just continuing with our uh, Corona investigative, investigative committee and putting one piece of the puzzle next to the other, we're gonna. This is a time at which we can uh, show the people the whole picture. Now, if this is a puzzle of a thousand pieces I think we can we now have 950 of these pieces it's enough to sure. get a very clear idea of what's going on including the um, the geopolitical backdrop including the historical backdrop etc etc so that's why we decided um, we're going to have a um, a um, legal proceeding through which we're going to explain this story through which we're going to show this story instead of having just a mock trial which has not much credibility or a show trial instead of also going and filing a case in the existing system in the courts of law that exist because we're not never ever going to get a fair hearing there there's no fair trial Mm. with the existing courts except maybe with the constitutional court in Africa, and except in South Africa, and maybe in some of the courts, or most of the courts in India, some of the courts in the United States. But it's a luck of the draw. If you, if you wanna file that case, it depends. That's why we decided we're gonna stay with one foot in the old system by using an existing institution of the existing legal system, and that is the grand jury investigation in the United States, And the other foot points in the other direction, points towards the future, which means that at the end of this, we hope that people will understand and be motivated to uh, get up and uh, rise up and fight this fight with us, all of us together. So what we're going to do is we're going to start on this coming uh, Saturday. I think that's the 5th of February we're going to start with uh, five opening statements this is a group of international attorneys including uh for example my good friend excellent lawyer uh dexter reinefeld including our friend and colleague um uh, deepa from india dr um renato from italy uh, many many others we're going to start with our opening statements that gives you an overview, gives the viewers, which is the jury, an overview of what we're about to tell them with the help of our experts, the story we're about to tell them. That's going to happen on uh, Saturday. And then we're going to have to take a break for a week because we do have um, a real judge. We have real lawyers. We have real experts. We have real witnesses who will testify. Um, to the uh, damages that they suffered because of the so-called vaccines, the shots, and also because of the um, lockdowns, the economic damage that they suffered. So it's a real case, it's real people, and it's real experts, real lawyers, and a real judge. But that is, it's, it's, we're, as I said, one foot is still in the old system because the procedural basis for what we're doing is an institution of the existing system, the grand jury investigation. A grand jury is usually, as opposed to the petit jury, as they call it in French, um, a grand jury is a group of 26 people who has to decide on whether or not there will be indictments against those who are supposed to be defendants. It's mm. usually done in the United States if you're dealing with really serious crimes and you don't want the other side, those who you want to be defendants. Uh, to understand, to know what you're doing, because um, uh, serious crimes means those who are supposedly, or who, who are going to be defendants, they may try to destroy evidence, uh, even go so far as to kill witnesses, for example. That's, uh, that's when you use a grand jury investigation. The additional advantage of this procedure is that the, uh, or that's the real advantage, is that the defendants don't, are not part of this neither are there um are their uh, defense lawyers mm. <clears throat> and ultimately you're not gonna come to a sentence or a verdict a decision that needs to be enforced but you only come to the conclusion yes we're gonna uh, give you the indictments that you need in order to take the next step which will then be a real real a uh, criminal proceeding in this case or maybe a civil proceeding for damages but the next step is to be the, the next step is not going to be done by us as lawyers in this proceeding but it's going to be done by the people because that is the major mm. thrust of this effort we want to give people the entire picture so that they understand one we can't trust our governments they're not going to come to our aid, aid no matter what we do they're either mm. too stupid to understand anything, or they're just puppets. And two, more importantly, we, the people, want to regain our sovereignty. We're not going to ask anyone if uh, we have the authority to do what we want to do. But if, it, if that's what it takes, because we can't trust our judiciary, well, we can't trust them in Germany or in Europe, um, if that's what it takes, Because we cannot trust our our judiciary to do the job and protect the people. Well, then we're going to create our own courts of law. We have the right people. As Mm. I said earlier, we in the resistance, we're the ones who have the creativity. We're the ones who are not just going to follow orders, but we're the ones who are asking questions. So we have everything it takes to set up a new system, including a new judiciary, if that's what it takes.
1: I mean that would form part of that sort of parallel structure that that we yeah. know is so important.
0: Yes, um, it'll. it's only a part because I think, at least with respect to Europe, uh, this is definitely true. Um, other parts of the world are a little bit luckier than we are. Um, I think it's different in Africa, on the Afri- African continent, and also in the on the Indian subcontinent. In Eastern Europe, it's different. But here in Europe, um, the system is beyond repair. There's nothing you can do about it, simply because they have infiltrated it with their people for at least the last 30 years, maybe longer, but we can nail it down to the last 30 years. They have infiltrated the system, and there's so many people who are standing in our way, so many people who, if they are exposed, will, will lose everything, everything. They're going to fight tooth and nail. So the idea is we need a whole new system here in Europe. We're, gonna, we're, we're in the process of creating <clears throat> uh, a new system of economics, a new system of, um, of healthcare, of uh, judicial proceedings, um, of education. Those are the four basic ones. We can do that within our regions. That's what grassroots democracy is all about. We don't need any global behemoth to tell us what to do. We don't need the WHO or the people who are running the WHO to tell us that there's a pandemic. We know when there's a pandemic. We have doctors. We can see what's really going on. So it's back to the roots. That's what it's all about. It's, um, it's about grassroots democracy, and this is only possible if we, can't, if we in our regions, in our communities, um, choose our own leaders uh, choose our own uh, judiciary, et cetera, et cetera, Of course, we should be connected with each other so that we can exchange the best ideas, and even beyond national borders, of course. Uh, but we definitely do not need any global uh, corporations or NGOs, which happen to be run by the very same criminals who have brought this about, mm. uh, to tell us how to live our lives.
1: Is this a deadly pandemic in your findings?
0: absolutely not um we we not us but through the um through the interviews that we did with all the real experts who really know what we're, what they're talking about i know you know i'm a, i used to do a lot of medical law i was a specialist in medical and pharmaceutical law uh but of course i'm a lawyer so i have to rely on what the on what the real experts tell us but what they told us is that this is no more dangerous than the common flu. The infection fatality rate, I mean, mm. this has been said over and over again, is between 0. 0.14 and 0.15%, uh, which is probably in line with uh, a flu. Uh, also, I personally believe that this is, regardless of whether this was um, man made or part man made or natural, Um, our immune system can deal with it. Um, and, um, the, uh, I personally believe that this is just a relabeled flu. Mm. I'm not saying there's nothing out there. There is something out there because people, there are, uh, serious, uh, courses of of illness. There are people dying, uh, from this disease, but you know, people have forgotten that the same thing is true for the common flu. Um, so no, it is no more dangerous than the common flu. There was no excess mortality anywhere before the shots, the vaccination started. After the vaccinations, all of a sudden we have excess mortality because that is what's poisoning people. It's the spike protein that bypasses. It would usually be caught uh, through our, by our immune system. It's a respiratory thing. The virus enters your body through the nose or the throat. And it's usually, if you're a healthy human being, with a functioning immune system, this is where it gets caught. But if you take the most dangerous part of this virus, the spike protein, and bypass this immune system by injecting it directly into the body, doesn't matter if it's just just a vector of so-called vaccine or the mRNA vaccine. The mRNA is probably more dangerous because it, um, uh, it, um, it produces the spike protein in the body. The thing is, it doesn't stay here at the injection site, but within a half an hour or so, this is what the experts told us, uh, within a half an hour or so, it goes and spreads through the entire body. It makes, it sterilizes women, maybe for only um, uh, one pregnancy, we're not sure about that, but it sterilizes men for good. That's what the evidence says. This is being supported, not just by what they found in the vials, but we had two or three pathology conferences here in Mm -hmm. Germany. Um, and they took a very close look at some of the people who died after vaccination. And now they are absolutely certain that they can prove causation, not just correlation, but causation, those Mm -hmm. people who died after getting the shots. And sometimes it takes 120 days or so, and sometimes even, even longer if, if you take a closer look at what has happened to these people by doing a postmortem, they say it's, uh, it's as though they, there is a fingerprint that only the vaccines leave, not, I mean, apart from the fact that the uh, most dangerous part of the virus, the spike protein usually doesn't enter the body because it's, it gets caught here. Apart from that fact, um, what they found right next this is unscientific speaking, but right next to the spike protein that was produced in the body by the mRNA vaccine is all kinds of debris, uh, which as we now know is uh, contained in the vials. We don't know what exactly it is. We do know one thing, you've probably spoken with my friend Mike Eden about this. He and a group of scientists uh, have uh, found very, very convincing evidence that They have even been uh, working on uh, experimenting with um, lethal doses, Mm. very clear and convincing evidence that that, that's what they've been doing. So um, it is now clear, and we can show it in a court of law, even in the existing courts of law, if they did what they're supposed to do, that uh, it is the injections, it is the uh, shots that are lethal. That's why they're called shots.
1: This is a, a pandemic of PCR, right?
0: Absolutely. There's no Corona pandemic. It's a PCR test pandemic. It's man-made. It's created. Do you want me to explain? Mm. Okay. We have spoken with two former um, WHO advisors and em- employees, um, Dr. Sylvia Behrendt and Dr. Astrid Stuckelberger, who you probably know. <laughs> And so this is what happened. Yes, um, we know. Part of the picture that we're going to show the people is the planning that went into this um, operation, Dark Winter, which happened a couple mm-hmm. of months before uh, 9-11 and the anthrax attacks. Then there's the uh, um, uh, um, what is it? The Rockefeller Foundation's lockstep uh, simulation, and finally, ultimately, the um, event two hundred one. Um, but that only explains how a lot of work went into preparing for this, the concrete evidence for how they set it in motion rests with the PCR test because there weren't any cases Mm. in, uh, early I think in January, 2020, they didn't have any cases. However, they wanted to roll out their agenda. They needed cases for that because if you don't have any cases, you can't have a pandemic you cannot announce a public health emergency of international concern. And that is the only basis for using untested drugs on human beings. And that's what we're talking about. So what what happened is they didn't have any cases, but a lot of pressure was applied on the WHO, probably by those who profit the most from vaccinations. And one of the people who profits the most is Bill Gates, because he invested in pretty much every single vaccine maker uh, on the globe. A lot of pressure was applied on the WHO. They had a first emergency meeting, but they couldn't agree on on a declaration of a public health emergency of international concern because there were no cases. But they said, oh my God, it's so dangerous. Whatever happened in Wuhan, it can happen any time again, we're going to have to do something. Okay, we're going to meet again in two weeks because we understand this is really serious. They met again had a second emergency meeting two weeks later. And then they declared the public health emergency of international concern. Uh, Had anything changed? No, nothing had changed. Mm -hmm. But one thing did happen. Um, uh, Professor Dr. Druston, who is neither a real professor nor a real doctor, most of the people, most of their puppets are simple idiots who uh, have a hard time putting one sentence after the other. Uh, He knows a little bit of, he has some rhetorical uh, skills, but... Other than that, he's just a fraud, he's just a fake. But that's why they used him, because these people, people who have no biography or a fake biography, are easy to keep under control. And they told him, come up with a PCR test, and he did. Um, And this PCR test, he claims, uh, tells us exactly who is infected. Uh, He came up with two lies, just as they ordered him to do or asked him to do, I think they ordered him to do it. One is there are asymptomatic infections, which means anyone who looks perfectly healthy is a potential danger for everyone. So even if your friends, relatives, anyone you see on the street looks perfectly healthy, he may be asymptomatically infective, danger, danger, danger. He knows it's a lie, I'm not gonna gonna get into the details, but he knows it's a lie. The, The next thing he invented is I have this PCR test. I have just invented a PCR test uh, through which we can tell exactly who of these asymptomatic people is really infected. Um, Of course, this is not true. We can show and we will prove in the courts of law that this is a lie as well because he happened to have given an interview in 2014 for a German business weekly in which he explained about the MERS uh, pandemic, which wasn't a pandemic, but the MERS flu, really. This happened in Sudan, and uh, it's, it's another uh, variation of the coronavirus, and he said, oh, if someone tests positive, um, if a PCR test gives you a positive result, it doesn't mean a thing. And he was, um, mm-hmm. he was looking at, he was, as an example, he was looking at a nurse. And I think I forget his his precise words, but he says, if this uh, if this if if a virus uh, simply flies by her nose, something like that, and then you test positive, it doesn't mean a thing. Many people who test positive are perfectly healthy. And he said, in this case, in Sudan, with the MERS crisis, you have to keep in mind that the mainstream media are blowing this thing up all out of proportion. And I think several years later, he remembered that just that, told the World Health uh, Organizations that this are the ingredients for a pandemic. PCR test, and the mainstream media are blowing this all out of proportion. So the second time they met, the second emergency meeting, they agreed on, de- on declaring a public health emergency of international concern. The only thing that had changed is the PCR test had created thousands and thousands of cases. Now they had a basis for this declaration. We now know that the PCR test cannot tell you anything about infections. The real inventor of the PCR test, a really smart and witty man by the name of Gary Mullis, mm-hmm. who Prize winner, has said this over and over again. And mm. the way that his, Drustin's test was designed, it was guaranteed to create cases, false positives. Yeah, Because we've said this before, um, mm. This is this is this is a copying process or yeah. amplification. amplification process. Mm. Uh, process, um, and everyone says that after 24 cycles of amplification, you cannot trust the results of this because it, it's it's just completely useless. It's scientifically nonsense. And uh, at uh, 30, Sorry,
1: Fauci himself also said that. By the way,
0: exactly. Just a couple of weeks ago, he said it. And, uh, at, and he, he said this before at, he said precisely this at 35 cycles of amplifications, you can't trust this thing anymore. Mike Eden told us it produces at least 97% false positive. Now This guy's Drustin's test and all the other tests that yeah. uh, followed his test as a blueprint was set at 45 cycles of amplifications. So that's what got everything in motions, uh, motion. That's what started all the anti-corona measures.
1: Before we continue, Norman, who is watching right now, has a bone to pick with you. Uh, Reiner, he doesn't want you to refer to it as mainstream media, but as corporate media, because corporate is exactly what it is. Mainstream is no longer their game. Uh, I mean, Joe Rogan is more mainstream than CNN, for example. And looking, looking, at, how, looking at how independent media is flourishing, I think we are going to become more mainstream.
0: Absolutely, people who really are looking for information do not, unless they're over eighty or ninety years old, and not even these people. They do not look at the mainstream media. They look. They don't look for help there. They turn into uh, germ warfare. They They, <laughs> they tune into uh, Joe Rogan, for example, or yes. us, the Corona Committee. Yeah.
1: Um the vaccines or the injections you were touching on um we know we know now that they are harmful um they do not do anything um anything good they do lots that's bad but then Rainer, what is going on why are they being pushed so hard and it's not localized this is global
0: yeah um, that's uh, because the true agenda behind this, apart from the fact that they're trying to distract our attention from the financial crimes that they committed, um, the other thing that they want to distract our attention from is that there are no, uh, let's say, um, negligent, uh, negligence-based side effects. The mm-hmm. side effects that we're seeing, the destruction of our economies, in, in particular, the uh, retail businesses, small and medium-sized businesses, um, hotels, um, restaurants, etc. This is not a side effect. It's an intended effect. Mm -hmm. They're trying to destroy our economies, as far as that's concerned, so that the American platforms, Silicon Valley platforms like Uber, that's taxis, uh, or Amazon, of course, can take over. We haven't figured out what the real role of the Chinese is in this, but we do have evidence through uh, whistleblowers that they're taking over the German automotive industry and probably the American automotive industry as well. Uh, The other thing that they don't want us to know is um, through the vaccines, not through the other measures, the other measures, they took us through the step-by-step, the lockdown, social distancing, mask mandates, that was only designed to make us Uh, to, first of all, get us totally confused, to let us believe that there is a clear danger because this virus is invisible, but if people are, are wearing masks, there must be something out there. But it was designed to push us in the direction of the vaccinations. That's the only thing that they really needed this a public health emergency of international concern for. That's why they needed these cases. They wanted, ultimately, their ultimate goal is to get us to agree to the vaccinations, um, which are shots, which are injections, which they use for population control um, by reducing the population. And I'm not, this is no secret because it's out there in the open. This uh, psychopath, uh, what's his name, Klaus Schwab, has written it in his book, The Great Reset, mm. and probably the Industrial Re- Revolution as well. Bill Gates has said this numerous times. He comes from a family that believes in genocide. He yeah. comes from a family that believes in eugenics, which is the pre- precursor of genocide.
1: Boris Johnson's father also is a, a yes. well-known eugenicist.
0: Yes. Um, and um, that is... Ultimately, that is their goal. Not, You know, the thing is, we're not dealing with a monolithic block. Uh, these, mm. There are different factions that fight each other. Uh, some of them jumped on the band, bandwagon when they saw that this, is, uh, that this is going on. They took advantage of what's going on. But there's some amongst them who are clearly psychopaths and sociopaths. I would definitely say Klaus Schwab is one of them. Um, and, and I'm not saying this because I have this special knowledge, but this is what the, um, uh, psychologists and psychiatrists whom we interviewed, uh, most of them professors of psychology and psychiatry, that's what they told us. Um, you have to be a psychopath to do these things. You have to be without any empathy, without any emotions to do these kinds of things. And that's, there's this faction amongst them who uh, believes in transhumanism <laughs> making us into mach- machines or half man ha- half half machine um, so this is what what this faction is trying to do uh, kill as many as possible right not outright killing but uh, sterilizing many of us so that uh, we will not reproduce and those who remain some talk about, 500 million or so, we don't know. This is all fantasy. But mm. those who remain shall be under control. That's why they're trying to manipulate our DNA. The, the military pr- plays a pretty big role in this. Uh, mm. The world's military, not just the UK's or Germany's military. Mm. Um, as as was explained to us by Dr. Sylvia Behrend, who used to work for the WHO, uh, the US military plays a huge role in the revision of the, what is it called, the International Health Regulations, which Mm -hmm. is a set of rules that they invented at the WHO. We have nothing to do with this. No one there at the WHO has been elected by any of us. There's nothing democratic about this. This is only sociopathic. Um, So the military plays a huge role in this, but the military is not doing it on its own. It's the military as a another puppet of those who are pulling the strings. It's we believe that it's the uh, financial industry or the financial mafia through which they're infiltrating every aspect Mm. of our uh, societies.
1: Central bankers. Um,
0: Yes, it's the central bankers. It's the city of London on the one hand and their fifth column, as some say, uh, Mm. Wall Street in the United States,
1: the Fed also yeah and and the bis yeah. um yeah runner so okay so it's not about health it's obviously about other things i don't even think that's a controversial statement anymore at this stage i think anybody who thinks that this is still about health is probably in that 30 percent that uh, that matthias desmet has spoken about
0: yes well he's one of our most important experts because um, if we walk you through this story, we're going to start with the um, geopolitical and historic uh, background, explaining how they had been, have been planning for this for at least 20 years, maybe longer. Um, then we go into how the uh, PCR test was used to start this pandemic. And uh, then we go into the details of the PCR test. Then we go into the details of one of the measures that was taken based only on the Mm. irrelevant results of the PCR test on uh, on the damage that this measure, the shots, did. And then, of course, we're going to have to ask, why did people allow others to do that much harm to them? Mm. Why did they agree to the shots? And the only way to explain this is by looking into the psychological terrorism that's behind this. Um, sick people, psychologists included, psychiatrists included, invented a scheme, a psychological scheme based on which they created panic, deliberately created panic within uh, amongst our populations. Um, And that's why we need Matthias Desmet as one of the foremost experts in this field. I think even uh, Robert Malone uh, quotes him and says, this guy makes sense. He says that's the only way you can explain this. Um, 30% of the p- population are not just like hypnotized, they are hypnotized. That's why they are, you can't reach them. You know, no matter mm-hmm. how rational you argue with them, there's no way they will not listen. Uh, they will become aggressive. But 40% of the population in Europe, I think it's many more in the United States. I think it's many more in, on the African continent. 40% of the people are still, we can still reach them because they're the ones we spoke about them earlier, they're sitting on the fence.
1: South Africa has a history of apartheid in which a large percentage of the population had to carry a pass. Rainer, do you think, do you think that that same population is going to willingly say, oh yes, we're going to carry a pass again?
0: No way, Jose. <laughs> no way. <laughs> These people are way too smart for that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, you. You were alluding earlier to the legal system not being our exit strategy. So what, what is our exit strategy then?
0: It's the people. It's, uh, this is playing out on three different levels. I, I've said this over and over again. Uh, the most important thing is to get out the truth, to expose mm-hmm. them, to expose what's really going on. Uh, the second most important thing is the legal efforts that are taking place in the existing system. In some, te- in some places it works, it's effective, in India, for example. Um, and the third most important level, which is something you can't really talk about because at least I don't understand enough about it, it's the spiritual side of mm. this. Uh, some people call it religions, others, uh, like myself, I call it a spiritual. Because I j- I just I'm not religious, I don't believe in organized religion, it's too much of a power game. Um, Some others call it a cosmic balance that will step in. And that's what I I really do believe, that as soon as we get up and fight this fight, this spiritual, religious side is going to come, this power will come to our aid. Um, Ultimately, there's no way they can win this battle, because like in a good Hollywood movie, there's always a happy ending.
1: Right. So what you're saying is that it's a battle of good versus evil
0: absolutely it's uh, I mean it sounds it sounds uh, as though I'm uh, quoting from I don't know Lord of the Rings or something but uh, I guess pretty much everyone in the meantime even those scientists they agree they agree this is good against evil they're so I would never have guessed that um, it's the corruption is so pervasive it's incredible to see how many doctors have sold their soul literally to the devil and lawyers as well um, but the good thing is it's all coming out into the open. It's all being exposed. And many, many people are awakening ever faster.
1: Well, let me ask you about that. How, how can we help more people awaken?
0: We're hoping to make a difference with this um, legal proceeding uh, because it is being done by credible people the experts who, we, uh, who, who are helping us tell the story, they're all, they all have sterling backgrounds. I mean, of course, you can always call them right-wing Nazi Nazi. Uh, that is a reflex which doesn't make any sense anymore. And even, uh, even the other side doesn't believe in it. It doesn't work anymore. Um, but that is the most important thing, um, to get the information out so that people understand that it is they who will have to make the difference. That is they who have to rise up based on this knowledge, based on seeing the whole picture, because no one else is there, not this time.
1: And and switch off the TV and stop, stop listening to fact checkers.
0: That's a really good piece of advice. Disconnect from these um, from these psychopaths and and mm. and their uh, mainstream their mainstream media or what is what 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 is it the viewer said their corporate, corporate media
1: corporate media
0: perfect, perfect. let's get like let's
1: it. get that term trending
0: yes yes we will i'm gonna use that term from now on corporate media that's it i still think uh the most important thing they can do is alert others to what's really going on give them mm. a chance to catch on give them a chance to read up on what's really going on, to look into, the, uh, look into those um, media sites which tell you the truth. That I, I still believe is the most important thing to do. And if they can, if they have a chance to do that, start setting up their own parallel structures, their own um, uh, systems mm-hmm. of uh, supply chains, of education, of healthcare, Um, Many people here in Germany even, which is one of the most authoritarian countries in the world, uh, I mean, all of us, including and uh, in particular the judiciary, has been taught to be obedient. Um, I spent much of my life in the United States, so I'm not really infected by that. But um, even here in Germany, they're setting up their own hospitals which are being run uh, by non-vaccinated people. They're setting up their own schools, their own education system, so it's going on already. That is the second most important thing. Apart from spreading the news, um, actions, as I always say, actions speak louder than words. That's the most important thing that happened in Canada Mm -hmm. because after all these discussions about legal problems and medical things, all of a sudden the truckers stepped in and they did what no words can do they chased him off the, the playing field
1: and just don't give up
0: never give up there's this is not an option we are the people we're much stronger than they are we're so so much smarter they're, they're <laughs> digitalized transhumanists they can't think
1: these these sociopathic globalists Rana, can they plead insanity
0: no this is another thing we spoke about with um, Matthias Desmet. Um, they do understand what they're doing. Insanity means there are several rules in, the, in, in, in U.S. law, the McNaughton rule, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, Massachusetts test. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, insanity is only if you do not understand what you're doing or you cannot control what you're doing. And none of these two apply to the people who who we're talking about. They know exactly what they're doing. They're still sociopaths, but they Mm. cannot plead insanity.
1: So would you agree that two very important things would be to not give up um, and, of course, speak out? Those two are linked. And then the other would be remove yourself from the control grid.
0: Yes. Perfect advice. The best advice ever.
1: (laughs) It's not me giving the advice. It's supposed to be you. (laughs) Well, it's Desmond.
0: It's Matthias Desmond and several of the others uh, psychologists. There's a professor of psychology. Mm. His name is Harold Wallach. He said precisely that. I think this is a session we had a year ago, shortly before Christmas, when people said, we're so distraught and said, what can we do to make Mm. us feel better? And he said, disconnect from the mainstream media. Connect with nature. Yeah. That makes sense i run with my dogs
1: (laughs) (laughs) if people want to follow you where can they go
0: um the corona committee sessions are um either in english or if they're in german they have english subtitles and if you want to see them um check out our website i think there's an english website as well but i can only i i'm not i don't understand it but anything about the technical, the IT Mm. aspects, but the German uh, website is Corona-Ausschuss, which is the German word for committee, A-U-S-S-C-U-S-S dot D-E. And then you get to a button which says English, I think, and then everything comes up in English. All of the interviews we've ever done, they're uh, available there. Of course, uh, they uh, deleted us from YouTube, but we, we're still. Um, you can still um, see all of the videos on our website on BitChute, Odyssey, and mm-hmm. many others will uh, are about to support us as well.
1: Well, I mean, if YouTube uh, uh, censors you, then you know you're doing something right.
0: I feel that way. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I might have asked you this last time. I can't remember, but I'm going to ask you again because I always ask this question. Rana, in front of you, there's a crystal ball. What do you see?
0: Um, I, th- I see a much better uh, future ahead of us. Um, I keep saying that um, the only the only really good thing about this is I have been feeling and my colleagues here in my firm, we've been thinking there's something not right. There's something definitely not right. Uh, we just couldn't put our finger on it. And that's what um, that's one of the positive Uh, consequences, results of this Corona crisis, all of a sudden, everything, they're all exposing themselves. We can Mm. see what's going on. So out of this knowledge, out of this realization, that um, much of what we believed as reality is an illusion that they created for us. Mm. Out of this realization comes the commitment to creating something new, better, more humane, Uh, a world in which um, empathy and emotions count, a Mm. humane world. So that's what I see. There is light at the end of the tunnel.
1: And that light at the end of the tunnel is not a train coming towards us.
0: It's not a train coming towards us, and it's not years away. Uh, No, I think it's weeks or months, not much more away.
1: Tamara, who is currently residing in Greece, I think she is formerly an American, says that you have uh, changed her life in many positive ways, and she's thanking you for that.
0: Wow, I'm. Uh, this is really flattering. I don't deserve that yet, but we will deliver. We will deliver, and I'm glad that people um, are not um, are not despairing, but are I- seeing. For me and others that there's that there there really is reason for hope.
1: Yeah, I mean, I said I was going to ask you this. Uh, you've received a lot of criticism. Just quickly about that that delivering comment. Uh,
0: part of the critis- criticism is probably uh, probably connected with uh, the legal proceedings because mm. um, apart from what I do on the Corona committee, we also started several lawsuits. Amongst them, one class action complaint that was filed by our. Uh, friend and colleague, Michael Swinwood, and many people, including myself, expected, because we didn't realize that even the judiciary had been infiltrated, expected this to bring us to a, um, to a happy ending much sooner. But now that we know that even the judiciary has been undermined, infiltrated by these people. Um, I I can live with that criticism because most people will sooner or later understand that that is the reason why nothing works anymore, why we're running into walls, seemingly running into walls, because everything, our entire society has been infiltrated by these evil people. But that'll change.
1: Rana Reiner, thank you, as always, for joining me in the trenches.
0: Thanks, Jeremy. It's as always. It's a pleasure. And one of these days, we're going to have a glass of wine or something. Maybe two. Maybe a I glass drink,
1: of. I drink whiskey.
0: I do too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Rhino, don't go anywhere. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare: The Battle of Ideas. If you enjoyed
0: this podcast, please visit supportjim.com.